Thanks for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. And I think this will be the closing episode of our Hearing God's Voice series. So um, I know the very first one, Fred had asked me to give tips. And I said, I'm not going to give tips because I want to give tips later. (laughs) Um, But this whole episode is one of those tips. And I felt like I've actually been wanting to do this topic for like a couple years yeah um just since the beginning really really i feel like it's kind of one of those topics that like we need to talk about just in the world we live in today so we're going to be talking about silence we almost started the episode by just I mean, that would be dead. so awkward on having, a podcast yeah i know i mean like dead air i mean like silence yeah. <laughs> this um, is what 20 seconds of silence feels like yeah no we're not death. really gonna do that yeah <laughs> yeah so we're gonna be talking about silence and kind of how that lends itself to not just hearing the lord's voice but really drawing our hearts closer to uh to god and giving ourselves that silence we are uncomfortable with silence kara are, are we not just in the world yeah in the world like you mentioned how we wanted to start with just like uh, hanging silence, which is always a recipe for success on a podcast, but um, it makes us uncomfortable. Why do you think it makes us uncomfortable? Silence in general, not just on a podcast, but just in general. Why do we need that background noise? Like, why do we turn on the office when we're doing house chores, even though we're not watching it? Stuff like that. I don't have an answer to why. I think we just do it. I think that's just the world we live in. Like I, I've been, I've been reading um, a lot of like the old time saints and just hearing like you know we were out for a stroll or like we were we were looking at the 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 daisies or we were you know all of these things. It's like that was their entertainment was like just going out and enjoying the world, right. but not the noise of the world. And now it's, I sat on my couch and I watched a movie or, you know, I was in my home and I listened to a podcast Dare mm-hmm. I say that as we're speaking on a yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, There's an irony in like, we have a Catholic podcast yeah. and I listen to virtually no Catholic podcast myself. Well, and like we have a lot of people who follow us who will say, Hey, I'm going to be gone during all of Lent. And so like, then they have to pick back up and listen to right. some of the episodes later. But I think that's fine. Like, I don't know if that puts us dead in the water. Or if we encourage our listeners, like, Hey, take some time where you don't have <laughs> yeah. to listen to us. That's okay. Right? Yeah. But I feel like I, I don't necessarily have an answer to why. I, I don't know. I think maybe there's like. There's probably a lot of answers because I guess I don't have an answer because I don't want to give a generic answer that like it's a blanket statement for everyone. But I think for some, there is this uncomfortability because we don't want to be alone with like ourselves or our thoughts. Yeah, that's absolutely where I was going to. Yeah. 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 And I don't think that's the case for everybody. Like sometimes I know I struggled with this for a while was like I did like to have background things on. And it was because there was always like noise in my home that Mm. once everyone was quiet it was like oh this is my time and then I would like turn on the tv or something to like zone out and I noticed that about myself and like I actually didn't like that about myself so like kind of changed how I was doing that but it wasn't necessarily like I don't want to be alone with my thoughts it was just like I need a second where I don't have to think and like I'm just kind of zoned out right (laughs) so maybe that could also be a reason why um if somebody doesn't necessarily resonate with the no I'm fine with my thoughts it's like okay maybe you just want a a break from thinking and you just want to zone out. Does that make sense? Well, and I think that's okay depending on like the intentions, like you said, is it, is it something that you never allow silence in your life because there always has to be noise versus, you know, it's been kind of a rough week. I'm tired. I just need to turn on for me. It'd probably be some goofy, geeky board game podcast or something, Mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of unwind and not have to think deeply 
why I while I do the dishes or yeah. something like that. Could there be a better choice? Certainly, but also like sometimes we need that checkout time. Yeah. Um, sometimes silence in those moments can seem make <laughs> doing the dishes or something like that seem more difficult even I would say it depends on what we do with our silence because like there there will be moments where it's like oh well I'm gonna you know die to myself and I'm not gonna turn on the tv and I'm gonna embrace the silence and then in the silence my frustration festers and (laughs) you know so what are we doing in those moments of silence are we turning to prayer to rest are we like you know coming up with a hobby that brings us joy like there was a, a while where I just really didn't like how much I was watching TV, so I stopped watching TV, and so then I had to come up with hobbies, so I would bake in the evenings, like late into the evenings, or I would sit there and make not rosaries or something in the silence, and right. so like I had to I had to come up with something, or it was still like, it wasn't a point of rest for me, the right. silence wasn't. Yeah. So I think like we even see this when we when we do trainings on like small groups and stuff, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll talk about, you know, when you're leading a discussion, ask a question, and then let silence just linger and everyone is like they kind of like giggle because they know how uncomfortable that is very uncomfortable yeah Yeah. you just ask questions and you just sit in silence and i i definitely think it is i think it takes a little bit of practice and like embracing embrace just embrace the silence right and so i kind of pointed out if i'm leading a small group be like i'm good with the silence and i just like sit until somebody yeah there is a discomfort in we feel like we have to that kind of go i think it's related to what you started with but there's a discomfort with silence in the sense that we feel like we have to fill that space with something, mm-hmm. um, which, I don't know, in a way is kind of a very fallen human desire. Like we have, there's this void that needs filled. In that case, it's silence. So I have to do something to fill that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, as I was kind of reflecting on this, I, I'm borrowing a little bit from the Catholic gentleman with this, but it, it actually fits my experience as well and, and relates to what uh, we were talking about here. Like we, and this is true for me, so it's kind of confession time. Often what I fear about silence the most is being alone in my thoughts. Um, it, it says this, uh, again, Catholic gentlemen, we can link it in the show notes. When confronted with true quiet, we begin to hear the mad and chaotic rush of thoughts filling our minds. The anxieties, the deep longings, the painful questions all seem to come bubbling to the surface of our consciousness, and it makes us uncomfortable. Hmm. I think one of the things that came to mind when you said, like, the silence, tends, things tend to fester. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that, like, sometimes when you're frustrated about a situation, like, the enemy loves that frustration. Mm-hmm. So in those moments of silence, sometimes it can be that gives him the opportunity to to string thoughts together, yeah. you know? And so I, I think that's where that, what are we doing in that silence? What are we entertaining comes in too? Because silence is good and we need silence in our life, but how are we approaching the silence? Yeah, that reminded me as you were saying, like all of these kind of negative things that come up within your conscience. So there was a quote that I looked for for the longest time. And I always would say like, it's somewhere in one of the documents because mm-hmm. I could never find it. But then I finally found it. It's in Gaudium et Spes. And uh, it says, conscience is the most secret core and sanctuary of a man. There he is alone with God, whose voice echoes in his depths. So I find that actually to be like counter to what is said, but I think both are true. Like the negatives can fester up, but at the same time, the conscience is our sanctuary of our innermost being where God speaks Mm -hmm. to us. And so without silence, 
how is God speaking? I think actually we live in a, in a culture that just has a, like a disparity of hearing God's voice. Like so many mm-hmm. people are like, how do I hear God's voice? Or I've never heard his, his voice. Right. And I feel like it's because there's just so much noise. Yeah. And you see this, like, why would, if this is true, if our conscience is not only where like these harder things bubble up, and I'm actually not even going to say these harder things are a negative, Mm -hmm. because I think when we allow like anxieties or frustrations or struggles to enter into our thoughts in the silence, that's where God can then also enter and transform them. Exactly. And that's what's supposed to happen. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so like if we never allow silence, it's almost like these things are are um, bubbling up under the surface and we never allow ourselves to even recognize that there might be hurt or whatever. And so God can never come in and transform it because it's never like in our forefront of our mind. Mm-hmm. So I think silence actually is so key in both ways, like to allow kind of the frustrations to be acknowledged, but so that we can then invite God in and he can transform right. them. Right. But if this is truly like the innermost sanctuary of man is the conscience then naturally the devil is not going to want us to spend time right. in the silence and in the conscience. And you yeah. see that in the world. Like there's just so much, yeah. so much to consume. He's able to defile that temple if yeah. we allow him to, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but I think it does work there. Yeah. I think for us that those moments of silence and feeling like that can, I've said this, use this analogy many times on our podcast, but it's almost like the chaos and the empty void of creation like in the beginning the spirit of god hovered upon the waters imagine how silent that must have been right there was nothing and the spirit of god hovered in the original hebrew those those words on the waters uh, that was chaos and empty void so it's it's in that struggle in that chaoticness in the mess of my anxieties my frustrations quiet and silent as they may be that the Lord works, he speaks, and uh, comes a new creation. So I think in a way, when we allow that space for the silence, and we allow the Lord to speak into that silence, when we bring him the chaos, the empty void mm-hmm. of our hearts, and allow him to speak into that, yeah. he brings forth something new. Something new is created in the silence. I'm going to go even go back to, so our, our Eucharistic show is My Lord and My God from the words of Thomas. And like we say in the first episode of that, like if Thomas was not able to recognize his doubt and then share his doubt, Jesus could not have come in and given him exactly what he asked for to reveal like or to heal his doubt. I think it's the same Mm -hmm. if we like through this chaos and empty void, allow these things to come up. That's when then God can come in and heal them. And even in um, what you were saying, it reminds me of. Elijah in first Kings where he's looking for the voice of God or he's trying to hear, hear God's voice. And it's not in like the things that you might think, Oh God, in his great power, it's not in the earthquake. It's Mm -hmm. not in the fire. It's in the still small voice. And I think we might've mentioned this on the first, um, the first episode of this season, but the still small voice is like, if you don't have silence, how are you going to hear that still small voice? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's always whenever asked like, okay, how's, how's, how do you hear God's voice specific to me? I think everybody might be different Mm. because God gives in the mode of the receiver. So how do you receive him? Maybe you receive him better through other people. Maybe you receive him better through nature. Um, But how the Lord often speaks to me is just this like simple, small voice in the back of my head. Right. 
And oftentimes it's something that I never would say to myself or never would think of, or it's so aligned with like mm. something virtuous that I'm like, that's not where my mind is right now. This has to be you, you know? Right. right. <laughs> um, but if you don't, if you don't allow that time and that space for God to speak in a still small voice, then how can we hear his voice? I do think this is a method too of, like we said, a method of warfare. Um, I was reading a book. It's really good. So if anyone's read Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, it's uh, a book basically where two demons are writing back and forth to each other. Um, actually, I think it's just Screwtape who writes letters to Wormwood. I don't think we ever get a letter from Wormwood, do yeah, we? Yeah, I think you're right. I don't recall that being the case. Yep. And so basically he's teaching him like how to tempt his, quote, patient um, so that he can bring him to hell. It can be a jarring read because it's written from the opposite perspective. It's written from Satan's perspective. So when you hear the phrase, the enemy, yeah. it's talking about It's talking about, about God. God. So yeah. yeah, they're demons and they're talking about like what their tactics are to tempt us or to pull us away from anything holy. And so, yeah, they'll say like they're a warrior for the enemy. It means like, oh, they're virtuous. They're living for God. And in one of the letters, they're writing about this very thing. They call it dim uneasiness. And basically they say we want to get the we want to get the patient to a point where he doesn't need to be hanging out with people he enjoys or talking about topics that he actually likes, but he could lose himself, you know, in conversations that he has no interest in or staring at um, a dying fire in the middle of his room or it says or reading yesterday's mm-hmm. advertisements. Yeah. So this book was written in 1940. So like mm-hmm. the things that steal the silence are a dying fire and like yesterday's advertisements in the newspaper. But today... Things that would like steal our silence are social media and scrolling at night or binge watching TV shows over and over or listening to music constantly in the car or you name it. Like, what are the things that pull us into this dim uneasiness? Like, that's actually the the phrasing that I related to so much because it was like they no longer need something they enjoy to pull their time. And that's mm-hmm. what I found in myself. It was like, I would finish a movie or something that I found on one of the streaming services. And it was like an hour and a half and I'd finish it and be like, that was a waste of an hour and a half of my life. Right. Like it didn't add any value or mm. any joy. Right. And so it, it very much was like, I no longer needed something that brought me joy to steal my time away from God. And so that was the kind of like, um, like the, a kick in the face that I needed, right. you know, yeah. so I don't have to kick pretty high to kick in the face, but mm. that's kind of what I needed. Um, But it's so true. Like, this is a tactic. It's not, we can't just be like, oh, well, sometimes I just need to check out and I want to scroll for what ends up being two hours. Whoops. Right. It's like, no, we actually should be aware. Like, this is something that is intentionally a tactic to pull us away from silence or our inner sanctuary or being able to hear God speak to us. Mm. What I'm hearing in, in what you're saying is moving past the needing the background noise and things like that and creating a space for silence but it's not silence for the sake of silence it's not that's not the destination Mm -hmm. like silence is the method it's the vehicle at arriving somewhere or more specifically someone so how would you articulate Kara what what's the point of the silence of needing that in our life what did Jesus have to say about that maybe I don't know I'm gonna I'll come back to Jesus so I'm gonna go to Gina Bauer (laughs) (laughs) Um, if nobody knows Gina Bauer she's really wonderful Um, but we just had a conference actually with her and somebody was asking about prayer and she said that the prayer that we should 
get to is contemplative prayer. And I, so I, I would say that like the point of silence is to get to a place where we're comfortable in contemplative prayer. Um, contemplative prayer in in the catechism, I think it's St. Teresa of Avila, she says it's a close sharing between friends. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, like to get to the point of contemplative prayer, it begins with vocal prayer, then it moves to meditative prayer, and then we're to a place where we're like comfortable with that relationship and that friendship, that you can just sit in silence and in his presence, and he doesn't have to say anything, and you don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think like you can't just have silence for silence sake but it's silence that hopefully is moving you to a place where you're so united in friendship with the lord Mm -hmm. that you can embrace this silence and just trust that you're in the presence of your friend Mm -hmm. and so i would say in the example of jesus you know we can learn a lot from his life in terms of silence like he he goes off to pray in silence before he gives us so many of like the major moments in scripture before his public ministry spent 40 days in the desert before we got the Our Father, he was off mm-hmm. praying alone in silence. Before he goes off to the cross, he goes to the Garden of, of Gethsemane and he's praying in the silence to his father. Mm-hmm. I think before we can really do anything in our life, especially those things that are hard and that the Lord is asking of us, we have to take time in prayer and in silence. Yeah. I like that you you point that out because that that's characteristic of love. Love doesn't always need words. Just being in the presence of the beloved mm-hmm. itself speaks. The mm-hmm. silence itself speaks. I, I've been drawn, particularly lately, toward the Blessed Mother and thinking of her as, one, the first monstrance, because she was. Yeah. Uh, secondly, the first adorer, because she, she was. Like As she held God in her arms as an infant, what was that like looking into his eyes? Like... She was adoring Christ Mm -hmm. in adoration, the way that we should as well. But as I was preparing for this, I found myself thinking about that very kind of silence you're talking about. It's silence that helps us to persevere in the graces God pours out into our hearts. It's Mm -hmm. silence that helps that grace to bear fruit. You see that profoundly in Mary. Think about the silence that existed between Jesus and Mary during the time she carried him in her womb. The Lord of all the universe, the creator, the same one that knit us together in our mother's womb, that knows the number of hairs on our head, that same God was in her womb. And that nine months mm-hmm. of silence that existed, Kara, you've, you're a mother three times. Silence, you can feel the stirrings and the movement, often better when it's silent and still, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But what was happening? Christ was being formed in the womb of her heart so that she might bring Christ into the world. Mm-hmm. We're all called to do that. So in order for Christ to be born and and develop in our own wombs, because we all have one, sorry, gentlemen, (laughs) this includes you, spiritually speaking, we need silence. Mm -hmm. We need to allow that process of nurturing and developing in our womb so that we can bring Christ into the world too. I would say even after, um, after she had Jesus. So there's a quote in I Believe in Love, And it says, before the apostolate of word and action, there's the apostolate of prayer and suffering, without which the external apostolate would be nothing. I think I see this in the life of Jesus and Mary themselves. Like for 30 years, it was the apostolate of silence. And, you know, except when he was 12 and he went off to the temple and he was teaching. And then he was like, oh, just kidding. Let me go back with my parents. Yeah. Jumped the gun a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, as we all do. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, as we all do. He was like, I have a purpose. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, okay, I'll go back and behave. 
Um, but for 30 years, it was silence. Like they said, isn't this Jesus of Nazareth? Isn't mm. this Joseph's son, the carpenter's son? Like nobody expected him to be the Messiah because he didn't he didn't do anything mm. for 30 years. That was leading people to believe he's the Messiah. And, you know, for that long, they spent time just as a family, just in the home and maybe in the suffering. Right. I feel like it speaks a lot into before we can go and and do anything really, but especially for those who are like in ministry or trying to make a hard life decision or, you know, you want to follow the Lord's will or whatever, before we can do anything, it goes back to the doing or being. You, We have to be in the presence of the Lord and really experience this, quote, apostolate, if you will, of prayer, of silence, and even of um, embracing the suffering. Mm. And Jesus and Mary are a beautiful example of that. Amen. I like that you point out, too, how Jesus withdrew to go into the silence. He wasn't just with the masses. And coming from my experience uh, as a convert and some of the experiences I had, I often saw where ministers would get burned out because they'd, I think often it was from not creating the space for them to be in silence. And themselves or like the thems- environment didn't themselves, create Themselves, yeah. yeah. Like they felt that pressure to always be out there doing doing but we all need that space where we need to retreat especially before big life decisions like you said but even just in normal life we see jesus doing that constantly that's one thing i like about the chosen they see that i think about every episode has some element of like where'd he go where's jesus Jesus at (laughs) yeah um but jesus also said this when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who is who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus himself is even saying, hey, you go to silence. M- make some space. Mm-hmm. And th- I think that's with silence. It does take intention. It's not necessarily something that's just going to come on its own because the world does not offer you silence. It offers you the opposite. Or the home. Like, I'm going to throw <laughs> yeah, that out there. Yeah. Um I think especially like if you're a parent listening and you're like, that's all fine and dandy, Fred and Kara, but like I'm a mom, I'm a dad, like I have kids yelling and making noise all the time. I totally get that. Like I, we get it, especially Kara, because right before we started recording this episode, my house was incredibly chaotic. Yeah, Crystal was Crystal was on her way out with all the kids, and it was like Teen, I, teenage tween drama. And yeah, yesterday all the I had things. texted uh, my husband BJ, and I was like, "I am ready for you to be home, please." And then, like after the kids went to bed, he's like, "Hey, if you just need to like leave," and I did. So I just like left and had to go to Trinity Heights, or mm. which is like a, a shrine over in our neighborhood. And so, like, it, it was an intentional effort because it's mm. like when there's just so much going on and so much noise it's like i i feel far from the lord let me make an right. intention mm-hmm. or make an effort to set aside silence even if it's going out on your back patio for five minutes and just being like god today is rough i know you're here mm-hmm. like please be with me in the right. silence you know yeah. whatever yeah. it might be but i know that's really hard and so we're not trying to like sugarcoat like just just create silence just make time yeah. for silence it is really hard especially in different states of life and the day-to-day activities but he does call us to to do that, even if it's just giving him a minute mm. of your day. Yeah. Advice I got early on that was always helpful to me. Like when I when you get home from work, just sit in your car for five, ten minutes before you go in the house um, and just enjoy the silence. Pray, whatever it is, but just have that moment. Use the opportunities that are they're given you. Um, 
And also, if one thing that my spiritual director always advised me to was, if you've had moments of your life where you've had profound experiences of silence, like in prayer, place yourself back mm-hmm. there. Like picture yourself there. So for me, that's the port at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Um, I go there often. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my place of great consolation and peace and quiet. And there's a Marian Grotto in the back where it's that's where I place myself. There's also a bench in the Badlands that is just, it's so beautiful. It's like the way it's, the way God created it, obviously, because it wasn't designed this way. Um, there's this bench and it's, you, you go out and it's this part of the land that kind of like, almost like a pier. Mm-hmm. And all around it is the Badlands, which is absolutely beautiful. And there, facing the sunset, is this one bench. So when you sit on this bench, it looks like you're floating Mm-hmm. Like and all around you is this the beautiful if you've never been to the Badlands, it's absolutely beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, and just take in the silence because yeah. there's I don't know anywhere that I've experienced where there's so much silence as in the Badlands, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's off season. Um, and it's just beautiful to take in that peace, that quiet, that beauty and reflect on this this very idea, this grace. So I go back there too. <laughs> you know? I think that's why God gives us consolations because there are going to be moments in our lives where we don't feel as close to him or where we need to return. Like you said, your spiritual director encourages you to go back to those moments where you feel closest to the Lord. That's a really beautiful thing to do. Like mm-hmm. what? There's one time in my life where it was after a summer of doing missionary work, I was literally in my car scream singing mm-hmm. and crying. And like like everyone driving by, I'm sure, was just like, what is going on with this lady? Mm-hmm. She's like losing it. But I was losing it for Jesus, I guess. And so sometimes I go back to that, like just that feeling of your heart being so full and almost jumping like it's just so right. happy. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I go back to that moment in my life too. So think of a moment in your life where, like I've never felt closest to the Lord, it's okay to revisit that and maybe revisit it in moments of silence. It actually reminds me there was um kind of a really rough point in my life and I wrote about it. Um I wrote about it on my phone. I was Fred and I joke if if ever like they want to kind of what is it interview for or research for your canonization after mm-hmm. you die if they get a hold of phones all of the notes sections yeah, right. are like basically a journal. So I was journaling in my phone in my notes section. Mine would be like he wrote so many untitled untitled document. document. Yeah, <laughs> no idea. Um, but there was this point where I I just had one of those days as a mom. It was just constant, constant touching, constant fighting, constant yelling, and it was just one of those days where I was just like, I want to sit down, eat my candy bar, and watch a show, and I just want to check out. And I remember like during this time, I was trying very intentionally not to watch TV because I I felt a little bit far from the Lord. I was like, God, I want to give you my time because I feel like I've been losing that because I'm kind of going over here to check out basically. And so I hadn't been I hadn't been doing this, but at the end of this particular day, I was like, I just want to check out. I've just had a really rough day and I remember I was arguing with God to let me watch TV. And I remember saying I just want to rest and he said, "You're supposed to rest in me." And I started crying because I was like, I just want, like, I just want rest. Come on, come on. And he he brought to mind, um, I kind of at that moment been like meditating on this idea of first fruits. So in scripture where it talks about, um, it's the scripture passage in Proverbs where it says to honor God, you give him your first fruits. And so I had been reflecting on this phrase, first fruits for a long time. And basically I had applied it to my own life. Give God the first moments of 
whatever. It wasn't the first moments of my day, but it was always like, if you can't give them the first moments of your day, give them the first moments of your silence or your free time or mm-hmm. whenever you have a second to yourself. And so he brought that back to my mind, first fruits. And so then I started crying even more. And cause I, I just felt like he was saying, you're supposed to give me your first fruits. And I didn't have any fruit. Like it just felt like I was handing him moldy leftover rotten. Here's the end of mm-hmm. end of the month's fruit for you. Right. I didn't have anything to give him. And so it was just really hard. And so I, I prayed, I gave him the silence, I gave him the first fruits. And then I go to turn on the TV and I felt this prompting to not turn on the TV. And so I started crying again. I was like, please, I just want to rest. Mm-hmm. And I heard him say, you're supposed to rest in me. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, after I finished crying, um, mm-hmm. I picked up a book and ironically it was about rest and I started reading it and it was everything that I actually needed to hear and everything that I was kind of struggling with. And so it was this beautiful moment of not wanting silence, not wanting to go pray and God prompting me. No, when you when you allow these anxieties and these frustrations to bubble up in your conscience, which is what we started this episode with, right. then God can really come in and transform it. We just have to cooperate with him because mm-hmm. he wants to use the silence in so many beautiful ways. But it's up to us if we cooperate with him. Right. In our human relationships with people we can see, one thing that stood out to me in what you were saying, we can have those ebbs and flows and of feeling close and feeling far away. Mm-hmm. If that's true for human relationships with people we can see, yeah. how much more with God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like we do have to like rest in him, make that place be intentional. I like I like that. That's so good. You're supposed to rest in me. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to forget. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I did want to, before we wrap up, just kind of offer some practical advice and really again this is kind of just reflecting on the catholic gentleman's article uh on this idea of silence but i think they offer some really good advice um the first way to practice silence is to refrain from frivolous speech Mm. um what does that mean feeling like you need to speak for the sake of speaking that's like my five-year-old feeling like (laughs) (laughs) that's funny uh feeling like you need to fill that empty space that like you're in a small group like you said Mm -hmm. not embracing the silence or you're in a car yeah yeah sometimes like just be present in the moment and and just be still and allow for like you don't have to fill the silence in order to prove something Mm -hmm. before jesus gives the our father he he mentions like the the pagans think they'll be heard for their many words Mm -hmm. don't pray like those people yeah it's kind of the same idea here. Like sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes less is much, much more. And so like when you come before the Lord in prayer, sometimes sometimes help me Jesus might be a more fruitful prayer than all the words. Than all the other yeah. words that of some something memorized. And I'm not like downplaying Catholic tradition there. I'm not at all. That's not what I mean. Because it is a matter of the heart. Sometimes the most honest prayer you can pray is, Jesus, help me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think not just even in prayer, but like in, you don't always have to fill 
fill the conversation. I see that even just in like everyday things. This has kind of been something that I've been trying to uh, work on because it's a struggle of mine where like if I meet a new person, especially somebody who asks, how's our ministry going or how's our apostolate going? I feel like I immediately have to jump into all of the ways that, oh, God's working and let me justify what we're doing. Mm. Whereas I could just be like, it's it's been really good. It's been really beautiful. And like, mm. let the silence speak because I think I've noticed, at least within myself, that sometimes through words, I'm trying to show like prove I'm God's trying to, grace. I'm trying to prove God's grace and prove mm. my own worth. Right. Whereas sometimes it's in the silence of just a conversation. Not I'm not I'm not pulling it into prayer, but in a conversation with another person that mm-hmm. the Lord transforms my heart to show like, hey, you don't need to prove your worth because you're worth it to me. Yeah. Humility itself speaks. Yeah. And that's a, and a, what a beautiful thing it does speak because we we don't meet humility very often in our daily life. Everyone has something to prove. In a way, that's what social media is all about. Mm-hmm. We we have the idea, we have the tendency to think that we we have to complain, we have to make our opinion known, mm-hmm. and everything we say matters is an, it, and is important, mm-hmm. and we have to prove it, prove that. In so, some are way. you saying everything we say is not important? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But I, I think to live a life of, of silence is to actively resist the desire to complain. Mm-hmm. And it's also to actively resist being negative with people who are always negative. This is kind of a rule of life thing for us, like in a way. Um, you can find that on our I See a Movement website. It was on a blog recently. But anyways, um, to actively resist complaining. Mm-hmm. Because when you're constantly given to complaining, that's the opposite of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not being unto me according to my word. Mm-hmm. It's... Lord, I'm really pissed off about this. Mm-hmm. It's to be, it, it's to resist the grace of God in your life in some ways, to be constantly complaining. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah. I mean, I think I would also say like, maybe everything you have to say isn't important. When I said like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not saying that. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of saying that. Right. And I say the same thing about myself. Yeah. Everything I have to say is not important. Yeah, that's true. That is what I was saying. I was just trying to find a way nice. to say it nicer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, I think also like silence is not, I have to make my opinion known about everything. Right. Um, for me in my life, one of the loudest distractions are those people who think they need to make their opinion known about every single thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and it, if I let it, it can rob my joy. Right. So I have to actively <laughs> resist letting it rob me of my joy. Mm-hmm. How do I resist? Silence. Mm-hmm. And taking in that silence and going back to those places. I would say apart from the, um, you know, family life creating that those moments of silence, the practical thing that I would say is like we can't hop on this podcast and tell you what's going on in your interior life and tell you the ways that maybe you're experiencing this dim uneasiness that is a mm. temptation or that is a tactic of um, of spiritual warfare that's something that you have to look inward. Like what are the areas of my life where I am allowing the devil to Mm -hmm. steal silence with God or I am avoiding my own thoughts or my own struggles. And so I want to numb myself for a little bit. Or what are the areas of my life where I don't want God to speak into because I don't want to hand them over. We can't tell you what those are, but we all have them. And and so I would just encourage you in in a very practical way after this episode to think of what are areas of my life that 
are filled with noise that don't need to be, and then to ask for the grace to begin to change that. <laughs>